This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, yes. my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. And I am Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed to this thing all over the place. Wherever you get your podcasts, you know where to go. Google Play, uh, Stitcher, if you like iTunes, that's where I go to get mine. Subscribe. Maybe leave a couple of stars. Tell us that we suck. We would appreciate it. And tell your friends about it and stuff. If you want to hunt it down, though, on the interwebs, of course, MetalSucks.net. Every single Monday is where you're going to get this. Click on the podcast tab at the top, and you will see all of our past podcasts. You can go find us, all right? Do that, and uh, man, you can enjoy this. All the old episodes. It'll be fabulous. I guarantee it, man. And you can also find us on social media. I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook, Spotify, and Twitch. And so, yeah, you can find us all over the place. So hook up with us even on Patreon.com slash Chuck and Godless and on Instagram at Chuck and Godless. Our Patreon uh, this week is going to have something special because our interview uh, is is a good one, and we had to we had to split the sucker up. But first, uh, Metal Sucks is brought Metal Sucks podcast brought to you by Rhino Entertainment. They present a decade of Dio, nineteen eighty three to nineteen ninety three, a new box set that brings together the first six studio albums, each one featuring newly remastered sound, including Holy Diver, Last in Line, Sacred Heart, Dream Evil, Lock of the Wolves, and Strange Highways. It's available now from Rhino Entertainment, dude. I need to buy. Another Dio box set. Damn it. <laughs> Son of a... <sighs> That's awesome. <sighs> I, yeah. Um, and Rhino makes the best box sets. They actually do. They really, the really do. Amazing liner notes, the greatest. You know, they'll have like, you know, obscure images and, you know, all sorts of like crazy stuff. It's, they, it, they are fans, you know? It's not just like a bunch of discs in a box. Those guys care about the whole thing and you know like like last week uh talking to brian slagle he's talking about how much they care about their product yeah rhino's another one of those labels that they totally care about their product yeah i, I also have i think i think rhino put out the one for the rainbow box set that was like the with the singles and stuff in it oh my god it's such a cool this is being a Dio fan like i said i gotta buy another Dio box set <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> So our interview this week is a is a damn good one. Uh, we we didn't Proud know of this. You know, if you hear Chuck say that, you know it means something because he never says. I, I never that. am actually like proud of something we do. You know, I always I always hedge my bets a little bit until people hear it. But this was a fun one, uh, and, and and actually it went where it wasn't even supposed to go. Basically, we were supposed to be talking to Ash Appleson about Summer Slaughter tour, right? And that's you know big big fucking tour. Summer Slaughter, Cannibal Corpse, Nile, Suffocation. Uh, after the burial, Carnifex, Revocation, like all these big ass death metal bands about to go on tour, actually starting this past weekend, and it's gonna be freaking huge. But we wind up talking about all kinds of other stuff, which is kind of awesome. That's what we do. If you didn't know, Ash is the I guess is the word estranged son mm-hmm. of Hollywood film director John Avildsen, who directed. A few movies you might have heard of, like Karate Kid, Rocky, 
what's the one that you're a big fan of? Uh, Power of One is Power of yeah. One. yeah, a bunch of others. I mean, and so if you were unaware, like like, and you wouldn't expect like Ash is gonna he's got a lot to talk about. He doesn't need to tell us about that experience, but man, he digs in, and it's an absolute honor. <laughs> my favorite part my favorite part by far is the fact that about halfway through he realized that wait a minute <laughs> what what are we actually talking about <laughs> so we had to like cut out a whole yeah. boatload of really awesome stuff about his upcoming movie which he's got uh like a, a, a who's hollywood who's who you know in this movie and it's a really great story if you're an asking alexandria fan like i am you're excited for it because uh, one of the guys in the band is going to star in the movie i mean there's a whole bunch of stuff there he's got an awesome anthony hopkins story we can't give it to you here yeah we had to we had to cut it and this is what the crazy thing is, is that the it was like that was a good part of the interview it was a really good part of the interview, but the rest was like even better. So we had to hold on to that instead. So we're basically what we did. We did with revocation kind of the same thing, right? Where we split up the interview, gave a, gave some to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we're going to do the same thing here. So we're going to pull some outtakes and stuff and we're going to hand it over uh, to all of our Patreon subscribers. So if you go over to patreon.com slash Chuck and Godless, you can, you know, get all this, uh, get the rest of this interview and also on our preview, we're going to give you a little snippet, a little taste of what's on it and uh, a few of those things. So this is going to be kind of a kind of an odd one. But but it's it's really awesome. And I mean, like I said, we're supposed to be talking about Summer Slaughter Tour because, you know, it's it's a wicked awesome summer. It's the it's finally gotten like back to what people the, people were bitching when it was some of the Sumerian bands that were on the bill that that they didn't agree with. Like, well, why is the animals is leaders playing on this bill? And now this is like a, a pure death metal lineup. It's exactly what anybody who bitched about it would want from a summer slaughter. So that so you know, I mean, I don't think you're going to have to sell it hardly at all. In my opinion, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm totally there. Yeah, and you know, Carnifex are like halfway down that lineup, and they would be right? the band I'm like more excited to see than anybody. But you got Revocation there, you got Christian, you got uh, dude after the, the burial whole, again, after man. The burial, like, yeah, hell yeah, dude, yeah. Crazy. And Nile, I haven't seen Nile in shit. It's been it's been it's been a long time since I caught them live. So and yeah, top five greatest death metal albums of all time. We gotta play the title track. But I said this to you earlier. This is the twenty fifth anniversary of Effigy of the Forgotten by Suffocation, and you know, I I get it. Like you know, if you're listening and and you're like you're gonna play a song that's twenty five years old on the Metal Sucks podcast, and I get it because when you know when I was twenty years old, if somebody had come to me in nineteen ninety one, whatever age I was, and it said, "Hey, you know, uh, check out this band. Uh, they're called uh, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons," I would have thrown up on you. But <laughs> I like the oldies, but, man. Come on, yeah. Well, even back so then, why? But. But you know it's it, it it doesn't it's not relevant. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I, I freely admit that. You know. So yeah. uh, no. But I think that I think that in context it, it is weird. I think I don't know how that plays. God, that's weird. I never thought about it that way. 
God damn it, dude. <laughs> what do you have to do? No, no, I feel old. Yeah, think about it. Nineteen. It's easy to do the math because you, you take 2016, yeah, you subtract yeah. 25, you get to 1991. You take 2016, you subtract 50, it's 1966. Oh, wow. So 1966 is 25 years before 1991. <laughs> I remember a Fiji the Forgotten showing up in the mail and going, oh, and turning that thing on and going, Oh man, I don't know what's going on in Buffalo, but freaking awesome, you know? <laughs> oh man. Oh, we're old farts, I tell you what. Oh, it's sad. It'll make it's you so old sad. farts. But we'll, we'll yeah, we'll we'll try to make you feel a little bit younger with the other song that we're going to play. So, we're going to do <laughs> we're, we're going to do that and then we're also going to talk about uh talk about the uh, yeah, how do you want to how do you want to sell this our topic well, this time? How do you want to you present it? Yeah, I, I'm just going to say this. This is going to be the most important topic that we might have ever talked about because it, it, what's happening in metal today is a reflection of what's happening, you could say, in Cleveland during this election, whatever, it, just the way that, that with Brexit, etc. You know, what's happening politically in many countries in the world is being reflected in what's happening in metal today and i you know we need to tackle this we need to talk about this because it, it, it's 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 um terrifying yeah it really is in a lot of ways so there yeah definitely something we want to spend a little time on here toward the end of the show so that's going to be coming up but first let's go ahead and get our interview with uh, ash avelson on the metal sucks podcast Ash, how you doing, man? It's Chuck and Goblins from uh, Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, Chuck. Sorry it took me a minute. Oh, no worries, man. All good. You are a busy man, to say the least. Yeah, I know, but it could be worse. <laughs> you sound so sad about it. That's a, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. Doing well, man. Hey, Ash, like, just so you know, like, you know, big fans, you know, asking Alexandria and I see stars are going to be in my year end list guaranteed. Last year, Veil of My and Straight from the Path were on my list. I mean, your, 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 your label's chock full of the best and blah, 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 right? Uh, but so every once in a while, when like we're prepping for an interview, I'll come across like an old interview and somebody will say something as a response and the interviewee doesn't have a follow up and it drives me crazy, right? And so I found one of those quotes from you. And I got to follow up on it. Okay, here we go. Let's hear it. You said, I lost the love of my life from being a stupid band dude, and it still haunts me to this day. Who? What happened? Oh, God. Yeah, well, that, that was, well, it happened twice, actually. Well, no, well, the other one, I wasn't in a band, so that doesn't count. Um, there was a girl, Christina Escobar, when I was uh, I was with her before I got signed to Prosthetic, and then we were together for a while when I was signed. And actually, this is a fun story. We had a, an amazing relationship, and uh, I started going on tour, and um, you know, did some questionable things, uh, admitted to those questionable things, and uh, and then we took a break because uh, she was hurt. And then, right um, in between a, a couple tours, we were. Uh, I was ba- I was living in 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 L.A., but I was back in D.C. 
and we got together and we kind of rekindled our spark and it was going uh, really good. Uh, and then fast forward a few months later and uh, Tosin, my guitar player, was at a party and meets the first guy that she had ever been with, who I guess was still floating around uh, in her life as a friend in and out, not really realizing uh, the gravity of his hang session, but they were both drunk and partying and vibing out with each other. And, uh, and one thing led to another, and he used certain things that got said in that conversation to her about our touring lifestyle to basically further drive the nail in the uh, lost love coffin, if you will. Oh. And we, Tosin and I joke about it together all the time. So it's like, what the fuck was anyone thinking here? But uh, yeah, and then, um, and then even after all that, because uh, I do think love can forget and love can forgive. Um, even after all that, years later, Christina hit me up again. This is, this is after Saman was going for um, three or four years. And um, we started talking, and she had never been to California. And I was like, hey, uh, you want to... You know, come. Vi- she wanted to come visit and stay with me. And at the time, I was in a relationship. And obviously, my girlfriend at the time, when I told her, "Hey, like, so, you know, a really great friend of mine, one of my, you know, my first real love, wanted to come visit California. She's never been here. Obviously, my girlfriend knew how much I was in love with Christina, so she wasn't comfortable with that. So then I had to tell Christina, "Hey, I know we really wanted to do this, but the girl I'm seeing now uh, isn't okay with it." And then obviously, she was like, "Okay, dude, I'm fucking this." This this fucking you know roller coaster's over. So anyway, I wasn't expecting uh, that question on this lovely podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so so did, do you do you like write about her and, and is she like a, a like a nestled no, character no, in no, some no. way and what now or anything like that? No, uh, no, no. I mean, I never honestly actually never thought about that. But um, no, I mean, I, look, I still have her phone number memorized. Um, wow. And, but this was also in the time when, you know, not everything was just programmed right away. You actually made phone calls on, on landlines to people and couldn't just click their name on your smartphone. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, and there, was, there was a weird dynamic, though. She had very um, conservative Catholic uh, parents, and I was... Whenever I would like be at dinner with them or something, I was like the, like the dirty secret kind of like oh like this is like the band guy. But she would never like tell her parents that we were actually like seriously you know in a serious relationship. I was just like her good friend because I was like the weird band guy that drove around in a band in, in a van and trailer for a living. You know what I mean? So that was always kind of, <laughs> that always kind of weighed on me. I was like wow like I'm like the dirty little secret, but I, I swear I'm a stand up guy and I can hang with the parents, but. Because I played, I think because what I did for a living uh, looked so freakish to a, you know, kind of orthodox Catholic family that um, she was never comfortable with them knowing uh, that we were actually together. When you kind of screw her over, though, then you kind of confirmed everything her parents are probably telling her about you, right? Um, It definitely doesn't help. But the one thing I'll remember, I do remember that happened, which kind of rationalized it in my head. And then we had, it was the day our record came out, so it was October 2004, and she called me and said she ran in to the same guy that Tosin had bumped into years later. She ran into the first guy she'd ever been with at the mall, and they had some weird moment because they hadn't seen each other in so long, uh, and they kissed. And I'm thinking oh. in my head, okay, she's calling me to, like, 
my record came out. I'm driving through Montana somewhere in a conversion yeah. van. She's going to congratulate me on the, on, the, on the album release. And she calls me to say, hey, so I feel really bad not telling you this. It was totally not premeditated. It just happened. But I was like on tour. Or, I mean, I, I was, I was at, in, at, in the Montgomery, I think it was Montgomery Mall, and I ran into him. This is while I'm on tour. And she tells me this, that, and they kissed. And I don't know how to fucking process that. But all oh, that did nice. is just ma- that, that, that just made me be able to rationalize, well, fuck. That actually means something because they were in love and he took her virginity. So at this point then, you know, I'm in fucking, you know. It's on. Spokane, Washington. I'm going to do whatever I want. This doesn't mean anything. This is just a one-night stand. <laughs> so, that, so that just, like, allowed me to rationalize all sorts of, uh, of questionable decisions. Oh, man. Yeah, so the whole thing was, I don't know, it just wasn't meant to be, is what it is, I guess, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I think everybody's got a few of those in their past. My, we, we call uh, mine Voldemort in my marriage, so, you know. We, <laughs> you we call it what? Voldemort. We can't speak her name. So, oh. uh, yeah, because uh, she'll appear if you if you talk too much about her. But, dude, I wouldn't have expected you to be, the, like, this much of a romantic. I mean, yeah. I, I, like, just just like her parents. I'm like, oh, it's Ash Alvinson, man. He's just, just like, this, like, yeah. Yeah, metal dude with a label, you know, just get on the road, asshole. You know, that's what I always pictured you as. Not as like, you know, I like to cuddle on Thursdays. You know, that's cool. Yeah, that's definitely the case, man. I mean, it weighs on me the most that I'm 34 and I'm not, like, shacked up with kids. Like, I really thought I'd be married uh, with at least, you know, a two-year-old by now. Um, so that's honestly the, the thing that weighs on me the most. Um, and I'm so grateful for, for my success and my freedom and, and, you know, all my accomplishments and everything. But, um, you know, I don't want to be an old dad. So to all you lovely ladies tuning into this Metal Sex podcast, <laughs> you know where to email me. <laughs> but, but, but it is interesting. Like, like you know, who was it we were talking uh, to recently was, um, oh, Chuck, help me out. Was He was talking about how, you know, he just opens up his phone and he's sitting outside the venue and, you know, any chick, any time, it's, it's on. Uh, who was, was that? Jamie was Josta. Yeah, Jamie Josta was saying that. And it was like, well, I guess that's cool, but is it more challenging when you're not the dude in the band, you're kind of behind the scenes, but well, yeah, everybody no, no, knows who on. you are. Having, having promiscuous sex is definitely not a challenge. Um, that's not an issue. I mean, I can go on some, some app or something and just like try and hook up with a girl, but I'm not, I mean, Jamie already has a, a daughter, so he's, he's taking care of it. I'm just, I'm trying to actually find, you know, a, a mother to my children, not so much just like, Oh, let me just have sex for fun. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's not a challenge. Um, yeah, but but every one of those girls is a or I'm sorry, every one of those well, women is a potential. I mean, there's a there's a there's a character behind that. Yeah, and but just she because be, uh, you know they can receive your seed doesn't mean that you want to be with them forever. Yeah, I'm exactly well, the type of girl who's just down to go on a drop of a dime after meeting you for thirty minutes might not be the type of one you want at the PTA meetings. But I'm not judging girls who like to get down quickly. But you know, statistically speaking, there uh, it could be a bit more questionable than a yeah, girl. Yeah, but she that might you... be thinking the same thing with you, about you. It's like, oh well, I, I might, he might be long term material, but he was ready to get it on so fast that I was. Well, eh, and, and, and this say. is what I'll this is what I'll say to that. I actually, you can ask anyone that I've dated uh, significantly. I go if I'm really into a girl, I go so slow. I mean, we'll go on like three or four dates before we even like kiss with our tongues. I mean, I go, I go very. Uh, very slow, and I think that's, that's honestly better. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just look. I, I look at the jumping into sex right away, um, kind of like 
you know, your expectations and being in a band, you know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You've got to walk before you run. And, you know, look, sometimes you might hit up a one-night stand and then never want to leave their side. But, again, I think if you look at the statistics, you know, slow and steady uh, wins the race. I mean, like the sex part of the relationship, look, it's a big part. You've got to be attracted. You've got to have chemistry. Your anatomy needs to fit well together. But, you know, it's like being in a band, man. I mean, you, like, there's 23 other hours in the day. Like, yeah, like the, the, getting on stage and playing your music is like, the, is like the equivalent of the intercourse. But then after that, like, are you really, you know, vibing with your partner or in a band, your partners? Um, because that, that's what will tell if you go the distance or not. You know, I mean, I think eventually in any romantic relationship, you know, the, the, the puppy dog period wears off. The honeymoon period uh, becomes old news. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to the bathroom in front of you. Um, my breath stinks. Uh, I farted. Like, are, 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 you know, can I just be a goofball in front of you? Like, you, you have to get rid of all of the... You know, it's like, it's like staying in a hotel room with a girl before you, you're, like, super comfortable. So, like, both of you pretend that, like, neither one of you ever have to go number two. Even though, like, you're sneaking off to the lobby. It's like, all right, she's not there. I'm just going <laughs> to fucking drop a deuce over here real quick. Like, that whole thing. Once all that goes away and you actually start becoming very close to the person and on a best friend level, that's when you can really tell, I think, it's going to go uh, the distance. Because, uh, again, after the sex, like, it's all about um, best friendship. And what's funny about sex and especially whether you're on tour or you're at a party or something it's like you can when when your testicles are full you can rationalize very stupid things and then as soon as you uh ejaculate it's like immediate clarity oh, the like, curtain of shame the curtain of dude, shame falls a, oh i it's, know it's instantaneous it's like it's like you know all these guys are, okay you're sitting there you know you're watching porn you got your laptop on your chest you're going at it and then as soon you're like oh my god this is amazing this is amazing and then as soon as your seven second moment is over immediate clarity what am i doing this is ridiculous shut it down get it off like what the, what the fuck was i thinking stand up you know go to the bathroom clean up you're just like god that's ridiculous um and so I always tell, you know, band dudes on tour that are thinking about cheating or, oh, you know, come on, I'm kind of in the mood. It's like, dude, jerk off and go to sleep. Run to the bathroom, rub it out, and just come back to reality because that, that <laughs> clarity you get that's so instantaneous is so valuable. That's the best. I think that's the best advice I've ever heard from a label dude ever. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think straight up that's probably the best advice you can give any one of your yeah. bands. Because let me tell you, when these when these band dudes start going through divorces, this shit is way more expensive yeah. than any anything they've ever experienced. And and uh, you know, pretty much any band dude uh, is the poster child for uh, a divorce attorney's wet dream. Oh look, this guy is in a rock band. He's got tattoos. He was you know he had infidelity. Okay, take everything. I mean, it's just. Jerk off and go back to sleep, guys. See, when you started describing it, I was like, oh, there ought to be like a mobile app that helps you make good decisions. And it turns out there is. It's Keys Movies. You know, like it's just, it's you porn. That'll help you make a good decision, you know? So, Ash, is there like a like a profile of this? Like, what is it that Christina had that none of the others seem to sort of capture? Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I was in a, a two and a half year relationship recently. Um, which I, I mean, this is a little too soon of the turn of events that happened with that. So I don't. I, I want to respect her privacy. We're still good friends, but uh, no, I was in another serious relationship, and I thought this one might go the distance too. And um, you know, I guess that's not what the universe had planned. 
But um, yeah, I'm just very picky, man. You know, it's 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 it sucks, and I and I find myself now, and I know this sounds kind of you know, I don't know how I don't I don't know how this sounds, but I'm so eager to be a dad at this point that I find myself like, you know what, like maybe I should just like. I don't know. I bet I'm going to get myself in trouble. What, what, what so, is this so, interview? I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble with this. <laughs> what do you mean? Were you, were you about to say you were going to abduct Jamie Josta's kid? What were you about to say? <laughs> no, no. But, you know, I mean, look, a lot, a lot of guys, um, when they're, you know, they're, they're seeing a girl or whatever, they, they, they don't use a condom, uh, which is one thing, but they'll still pull out. You know, when you're in the heat of the moment, it can be more challenging to pull out. And sometimes I catch myself going... You know, this girl will be down. Maybe I won't pull out. Uh, no, I don't know if I'm going to marry her. I don't know what the future holds, but we probably make a good kid together, and I can support that kid, and I want that kid. So maybe I'll just make a kid. Um, so I know that a, sounds what, crazy. And I, the, that, that, that's very unorthodox and well, controversial yeah. or whatever, but, you know, if the uh, fucking divorce rate in America is like 65% anyway. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I'm going to get myself in trouble with this interview. But what, and I also yeah, think, I also I'm, think I'm about good. adopting kids, though, too. I mean, I have a big thing yeah. about how, you know, I, I think the whole connection of blood uh, is very overrated. You know, we're so infatuated. I don't know if this comes from just our inherent nature as animals or if it comes from ancient times History. and bloodlines. But, yeah, I mean, we're so infatuated uh, with blood. But there was a great... There was a great TED talk I saw recently about a guy about pe- about people and their in their connections or their disconnections with their parents. And this guy was giving this speech, and he was just a a really intelligent, charming. He's just a sweetheart. And his dad, he was talking about being raised by his dad, and his dad was like, I think the original like Unabomber or something. And his dad was always trying to like train him to like oh like his 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 dad terrorist friends would joke about oh you're going to be good just like your dad and like try and train him to use weapons and all this stuff and the kid never understood it and he could, he wouldn't do it and it started causing tension with him and as he you know grew up and became his own man and this just you know this, this lovely uh, you know positive energy adult um, he went and did his TED talks talking about how we aren't who our parents are and look sometimes your parents are great and sometimes they're not and sometimes your kids are great, sometimes they're not. But I think we put so much emphasis on um, we put so much emphasis on the blood connection that I think it can distort uh, reality in, in, in a negative way. Um, and this guy was basically pouring his heart out in a in a TED talk about not being who uh, his his father is, uh, and it actually in. Um, it further inspired me. I'm, I'm working on a, a screenplay about a guy, and this is actually based on a, a true story uh, that I heard um, from Javier from uh, uh, Animals as Leaders told me about a coworker years ago. So this this guy has a kid. This guy has two kids, and he hears about his wife is pregnant with a third. And this is a lovely guy. He's raised his two kids his whole life. Amazing father, and he has a suspicion that the third kid isn't his. And so the baby's born, doesn't look anything like him. He's like, this isn't my child. So he goes to the judge and wants to do, you know, the, the paternity test, DNA test, whatever, to, uh, to confirm. And so the judge says, okay, well, we're going to test the kid, but we have to test all of your kids. Ooh. Wait for it. Oh. Turns out, turns out none of his kids were his. Oh. 
Now, is he... Is he Spoiler any, more, any less of a of a father? <laughs> yeah, yeah, to to all of them for that matter, you know. Or, uh, but what do you do with the new one? Because you are you don't have that experience with the new one. Uh, you know, that that's a that's a conundrum. Jeez, yeah, it's brutal. Uh, well, and it's and it's also you know it's it's kind of weird because I've been asked that myself as I have an only child, only having one, uh, and she's my daughter. Not going to carry on my name, you know. Someday she'll get married and. Uh, lose, well, what happens when you lose your name? What, 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 what if your name dies with your with your daughter? It's like, do I do I fucking care? It's like, does does that really matter? Um, maybe I put a good person out there in the world. That's good enough, right? Yeah, I got a I got a funny story about uh, names. Now, granted, it isn't mess up his last name, but uh, one of my best friends, John Mehoves, who uh, actually started Reflux with me back in high school, he is J, he goes by JXVI on Instant Messenger, which is John. XVI. So he's John Herman Mijos the 16th. So he's got a baby boy on the way. And I'm like, all right, so you're going you're gonna to name him John, right? You've got to carry on the tradition. This is 16 fucking generations of this name. And he tells me he's not. He's naming him something else. I thought he was playing with me. And then, no, he's breaking the tradition. So 16 in a row, he's giving birth to the 17th. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to stick to the script. I'm just going to name him something else. Hmm. Hey, man. More power to you, right? Do you know you do you? But yeah, I don't know. We get very caught up in names and blood and yeah. all that stuff. And uh, you know, I just, I just, I don't, I really don't know how how important it is. I think human connection transcends anything to do with with names or our genes or anything. And that's not to undermine anyone that's got. Yeah. I mean, I, I recently met my dad for the first time. We have an amazing connection, and, and you can t- when we hang out. I mean, it's so obvious that like, oh, I mean, I totally came from you. We have all these you know funny little idiosyncrasies and camaraderie moments that are like this makes total sense. But um, so you, you know, never it, knew him as a kid. Never. Wow, what's the story there? I mean, I, I thought this. Uh, you know, I honestly thought this was about summer slaughter. I was like, all right, we have to answer questions about the politics of putting Cannibal Corpse and Nile suffocation on tour together. How did you construct the bill? How did you get all those bands to play on the same lineup? How did you? How could you afford to pay them? What were the politics behind it? It's like, who were you fucking in the tenth grade? Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, so, so tell me more about your dad. So, uh. <laughs> well, dude, you know, it's like. I mean, for, I mean, I didn't know where everything's going to go, but you know, like I read that quote and I go, "Oh my God, this guy's not who we would have imagined he is." And then you know, and then you spring a little bit of info like that, and it's like, "Who the hell is Ash Avildsen, man? This is cool. We're finding out. This is kind of nifty." <laughs> um, yeah. So I never, I never knew my dad. Uh, I grew up with his last name. I knew who he was, obviously. Um, and there's actually an old Larry King interview with my mother when I was 11, which I actually watched for the first time on VHS about a year ago uh, that I'd never, I never, I saw it live when I was a kid, but I was too young to understand it, but um, yeah, it was a whole thing about her and my dad and the lawsuits with, um, with child support and all this stuff, and there was a moment where <laughs> Larry King actually held up a picture of me, and he goes, something like, if it wasn't for anything else but for my own ego, why wouldn't you want to claim such a cute-looking kid as your own? And so that was pretty sentimental. But, yeah, long story short, um, um, my, my dad uh, wasn't expecting to have a kid um, and chose not to uh, acknowledge me. And the heaviest, the heaviest moment of it all was when I was, like, 12, and, and 
I was outside of uh, court, uh, like family court in New York. Sadly, this was he, um, there was like years and years of back child support that was um, tied up in a, in a lawsuit. Because um, I grew up in a in a two bedroom, one bathroom apartment in Maryland. Um, my grandmother and my aunt Natalie in one bedroom, me, my older brother, and my mom in the second bedroom, and my uncle on the couch, and us all sharing one bathroom. So I didn't come from money ever. It was always uh, a struggle up until uh, I got sent to military school and my mom won the, um, the child support settlement where we had to pay years and years of back child support. Uh, but anyway, so I'm out, this is, I think I'm like 11 or 12 years old. I'm outside of the courtroom in New York, um, and my, I see my dad for the first time, and he's reading uh, a newspaper. And it's like one of those moments where you can just still vividly remember the scene, exactly how it was. And I sit down, like two seats down from him, and I'm you know, waiting for him to like look over, notice me, acknowledge my presence. And he never looks in, or he, le- he never looks over to me, and then he goes into the courtroom, sets the newspaper down, and then I don't see him again for... 20 some years uh, and that always that always stuck with me and he, and he took me out on uh, my birthday this past year um, and he gave a toast to my mother and was like you know you know this is because you didn't grown and she did a great job raising you as a single mom and then we had been hanging out for a few months and I never knew the right time uh, to to ask him about the past but I used that night, and he goes, look, kiddo, I'm, I'm not going to be around forever, so by all means, please ask me. Um, and we talked about the past, and he was, he said very honest things, and, you know, he, he said, you had every right to, you know, uh, re- re- resent me, and I'm so ashamed of how I acted, and um, he said some really powerful, moving stuff, and, uh, you know, it's all in the past now, and he's done, it's done so much for my subconscious since meeting him, and it's also done a lot... Um, just, just on so many levels. And he, and he gave me some great notes on American Satan, which is uh, the movie I recently just finished uh, filming that we're almost done in post-production. Congratulations. But it's been, yeah. it's been, it's been awesome, man. And, and you know, it, it was a stigma, too, to some degree, because I remember when I was still a promoter, even before I started Sumerian, like, you know, people, whenever people see someone else doing well, they always want to be like, oh, well, that person's doing better than me because of X, Y, and Z. And I remember people would go on this message board called fear.com, P-H-E-E-R.com. On, it was a D.C., Maryland, Virginia, like, you know, underground, hardcore punk metal forum and show calendar site, really cool site. And they would go on message boards. And when I started booking, like, bigger bands in the area and putting on bigger shows and festivals and stuff, people would be like, oh, the only reason Ash is, you know, booking so-and-so band is because his dad directed Rocky and the Karate Kid. And at the time, as you guys know, I never fucking knew him, and he had nothing to do with the music business, but people would want to associate my success with my last name. And even still today, I go on message boards, and people think, like, I started Sumerian with my dad's money and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, I got, I have a business partner named Jeff Cohen, who you, you'll recognize from the Lamb of God DVD. He was the American attorney who helped get spearhead oh, yeah. Randy's yeah. case and get him off. He gave me the initial money to start it, along with a small advance from Tony from Victory Records, and that's where the money came from. But again, people always want to act like I was, like, some privileged kid and, you know, son of a big movie director, and uh, that, was, that was never the case. 
But anyway, again, I, I don't know. I'm probably talking way too much personal shit on this. I was no. not planning the Metal Sucks podcast to be like my fucking chapter one of my tell-all. Uh, so I got to, I got to say, you got to start somewhere. For, you know, you, you, you yeah. Yeah. I could picture like, like obviously, like being able to reconnect and you know, and then work through your anger and all that shit is just you know, it's got to be nothing but positive. But I'm curious, like, does your mom react to this relationship? With, I mean, she's probably got her own ball of emotion about, about that. Yeah. She was kind of the, um, she was the catalyst actually for making uh, it happen, um, but in a in a very unpredictable way. I mean, it, you know, the theme in the movie I just did is uh, American Satan is that, is that we find um, light through the darkness and that there is no light without darkness and it's all about the duality of life and the duality of rock and roll and so. Something happened where, I mean, I, I, dude, honestly, guys, I, I don't want to, out of respect for just family members and stuff, I don't really want to go deep into this right now. Oh, but yeah, I yeah, promise yeah, yeah. you, I've, I promise you, at at one point, um, everyone will know the full story. I just don't want to do like a spoiler of the whole thing uh, as just doing improv on the podcast right now. But um, it's a good question, and uh, t- to answer it. In regards to my mother, she's very happy that uh, my dad is now in my life. That's good. Been there with my own experience in, a, in several ways of that nature, and it's mom can be the deciding factor on how things go in <laughs> in that sort of situation. Uh, coming yeah. from a single mother, <laughs> is dad totally. like just over the moon proud of you at this point? I mean, he must be just like gobsmacked. Yeah, he, he's very proud, and you know, he, we joke about how you know I, we don't know why it was we waited. You know, it, it had to come not until the third act for us to meet. But I think he he's very proud, and um, you know, he came on set. He actually plays a, a an interviewer role uh, in the movie, which is a very fun scene. But um, yeah, he's you know he sees what I've accomplished, and he knows yeah, I did it you know on my own, and. Um, it's 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 fucking awesome, man. I mean, it's like a it's like a, it's a really great story that uh, one day will be told in its entirety, and will hopefully you know ins- inspire other estranged family members to um, try and and unite or reunite, depending on what their situation is. But so uh, who gets yeah. cast as you in the biopic? Oh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It depends. Uh, how how long I, I I wait to do it? Who the the next rising star is? But you know, if I if I did do something like that, I, I would need. Probably three different actors, one to play the, like, prepubescent Ash, one to play the, like, teenage Ash, and then one to play the adult Ash, which is, it's tough to, ca- you know, to do those. Um, actually, crazy story, that made me think of this. So my dad did a movie called The Power of One, which is one of my favorite films he did, but it didn't do very well. And it's a great uh, underdog story about um, you know, a, a, a white kid in South Africa during Love apartheid. Yeah, and uh, and Morgan Freeman's in it, and so uh, I went. This was before I met my dad. This was another gnarly moment, and actually, uh, my buddy JJ uh, filmed uh, the climax of this evening, which I didn't even know was being filmed on his iPhone. So maybe that'll get posted one day. But basically, they were doing uh, one of these um, uh, evenings with the director at you know an old movie theater where they show classic films and they do like a Q&A with the director and so there were two movies that really put my dad on the map excellent films uh, before he did Rocky one was called Joe and the other was called Save the Tiger and at the time I hadn't seen uh, either one and so I 
I went to this event with like a group of my very close friends and my girlfriend at the time, and I was like, hey, like I want to go. This my dad's going to be there. Maybe I'll get a chance to talk to him. And I'm in the movie theater having like a borderline, you know, panic attack. Calm myself down. Go back in there, and uh, he's doing. Um, they're doing like a Q and A part in between Joe and Save the Tiger, and. Uh, I asked him about The Power of One and say I'm a big fan and that, you know, I thought the movie was incredible, but I know on the business side it didn't really perform well and was there a reason that, you know, people didn't stand up and cheer for it? Um, And he gave me a really lovely answer about, uh, you know, why he thought it didn't perform that well at the box office. And um, my girlfriend at the time was rubbing my neck with an ice cube trying to keep me from fucking having a full-blown panic attack as I'm having this very intense moment. Um, and I don't think my dad knew it was me. Uh, and, yeah, my buddy JJ, who, who you know, is a metal booking agent, uh, he was sitting behind me and actually filmed it unbeknownst to me at the time. But, uh, yeah, that was another kind of crazy moment before I, I uh, met my dad, just like being in the See, crowd asking him wow. a question as a stranger. I could picture that being like the opening scene of your movie, but yeah. at the same time, I don't. I wouldn't want your movie to be about everything in the context of your dad because you've built your own story totally yeah well i love i love that i love that you guys are already believers in the concept maybe maybe i'll find funding for it (laughs) it's like you guys are pitching it i didn't even bring it up Uh, (laughs) oh man that's awesome all right so uh now that we're an hour into this uh summer slaughter tour Oh yeah, well speaking Ash, of summer slaughter. I gotta tour, say, man, I, you are awesome. This has been freaking no, no, great. No, no, Thank shit you. Shitload of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of the summer slaughter tour, all I can tell you is go to the summerslaughter dot com and buy fucking tickets because I got to get off this podcast and go hustle some damn tickets because this tour starts in a few days and I just yeah. uh, spent an hour not promoting the tour and instead <laughs> ranting about private life stuff that will hopefully get some listenership going for this uh, episode. <laughs> Hey man, people are gonna. This is it. People will hear you. They hear what you say. They hear you who you are, and they go, "I dig that dude." Whatever that dude is doing, I'm gonna. I'm down with it. Well, and and we're talking about the tenth Summer Slaughter tour with fucking Cannibal Corpse, Nile, After the Burial, Suffocation, Carnifex, and so on. How hard is that of a sell? Come on. I mean, that's a damn good tour. It's so solid out there. I put Cannibal Corpse, Nile, and Suffo on the same bill. I don't think that's ever happened before in North America. So, you know, show up, yeah. guys. Yeah. Okay? Hell yeah, <laughs> This dude. is your fucking tour. I don't ever want to hear, oh, it's not extreme enough, or it's not death metal enough. It's like, dude, Cannibal, Nile, and Suffo are playing on the same stage at the same night. Yeah. Merry fucking Christmas, dude. Ten yeah. years into exactly. this motherfucker. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to have to worry about selling this one, man. This is this is a yeah. damn good tour, dude. It really is. This is Not uh, to mention they yeah. got the In the Black tour coming, too. That's going to be really, really exciting. We have all sorts of fun. Well, well I mean, we need to do a separate episode for that. Cause I, can't, I can't even get into that right now. Let's, let's just try and focus on the sl- on summer slaughter here and drive this home. But, yeah, I'm very excited about slaughter. Um you know, I think Cannibal Mountain Suffolk playing together is amazing. I think the new After Burial record is fucking their best material yet. Yep. And I, th- it's, I think it's awesome that uh, they're going to bring, you know, they're going to break up uh, the death a little bit on the lineup. Um, I'm really excited about Slaughter to Reveal being their first U.S. tour. Um, they're just, you know, just when you think 
deathcore has reached its last note, a band like this comes along and reminds you why the genre is still alive. Um, and then there's just some class, you know, Christine, I think it's cool Christine. to see Christine yeah. on there. They've never been on Summer Slaughter before, and, you know, I know some people may say, they're, oh, well, they're like the, you know, the quintessential support band, but, you know, they're fucking great there. You know, it's like, yeah, De Niro playing a gangster is great. Christine supporting Cannibal is great. Yeah, it's predictable, but it's awesome. Let's do it, you know? Um, so I think it's awesome that Christian's going to be on there. Uh, Revocation's been on one time before. They're a lot of fun. Carnifex, great dudes. They got a new record coming out. Ingested, that's a first time for Slaughter, and I know they've been a. Uh, requested a ton, you know, and Jess was put on there literally because so many people requested them. I, I'll be the first to admit, I wasn't even really familiar with the band and then everyone was like, gotta get this band, gotta get this band, and so we sent them an offer and they did it. So yeah, man, I just hope, um, I hope people show up. It's it's a very challenging tour to produce. There's a lot of money and egos and politics to go into putting together lineups like that and I just really hope that people come out and support it because um, time is valuable, and contrary to what people may think, you know, Summer Slaughter doesn't make very much money for the actual tour producers um, because it's so expensive to get all these bands together. And you know, if people want this tour to continue to exist, they got to come out this year and and show why you know death metal's still alive. And if they, I'll say this, here comes the fucking pipe bomb. If this year's lineup doesn't perform the way the promoters need it to, then we'll, we'll remain the most extreme tour of the year, but I can't say that I'm going to try and give the death metal community the best bill I can because either they don't want to come out or there's not enough people out there to support it in 2016, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. I hope that the way LA and New York are selling, everywhere starts selling, we have an incredible tour and it's selling much better than last year so we're poised to do that but That's real good. talk removing the fucking veil you guys got to show up for this thing if we want it to continue because you know as you can see with what's happened with other tours eventually the producers go all right i'm gonna go take my family to the beach today i'm not gonna slave away pulling my hair out on how i can sell more tickets for an event yeah. like eventually we do everything we can and give the fans the best bill we can, and if it doesn't work, then maybe it's not meant to be. But I still have faith in the slaughter. <laughs> See, I would picture that, like, I mean, you if you're a fan of death metal, you don't go to just so that Ash Avildsen can, uh, you know, break even. You go because if promoters no longer believe that Cannibal Corpse can sell tickets, Cannibal Corpse no longer goes on tour, at least not in the States. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially bands that are are older, you know, they're not spring chickens, they're not 20-year-old kids driving around in a van, and to me, I mean, Cannibal is the most iconic death metal band in the history of the genre, Yeah. so let's go, guys. Right is there on. a real concern, like, on the industry side that, like, death metal is, uh, is, is being challenged right now as far as ticket sales are concerned? Look, it goes in waves. I mean, there was... You know, there's a time in the 90s where death metal went down, and then there was a time in the thousands where it really, really rose up. And then now that we're in the... Te you know what? So I'm going to say something. As I'm trying to describe the decades, I think people forget because after the turn of the century, we don't really know how to phrase it anymore because we had the 60s, which were different than the 70s, which were blatantly different from the 80s, which were blatantly different from the 90s. But then we have the thousands, and now we have the tens. And that just sounds so weird. So, yeah, man, so, like, in the 10s, this is what was going on. 
It's like it doesn't even the tens. Like what? Like I don't even know how to describe this decade. I don't know what people call it. You know, yeah, but right. I I think I think a big thing that's happened with music and and navigating the waters of it is that. It's not as distinct to uh, the the naked eye as the 80s to the 90s or the 90s to the thousands because yeah. we forget that things happen in 10-year cycles, especially when it comes to pop culture and music and fashion and all these things. And so with the, with the 2000s to the 2010s, it's easy to forget that, well, wait a second, 2006 was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, 1986 and 1996 are two different fucking stratospheres. Um, so, yeah, I think that's part of what's happening out there is that, you know, people forget that how long of a difference 10 years can be when it comes to music and culture because we're in this new century and it's not as obvious as, you know, past decades have been. Well, I don't think you're going to have a problem with uh, with the fans turning out for this one for sure. I mean, I, I know the complaints of the of, of years past, you know, as far as, some, you know, a band here, a band here that were on lineups in the past. But I never saw a problem with it. But I'm also not a purist as far as that's concerned. I want to see everybody. So but really, this one is like you, you got nothing to complain about at all. If you are. No, I, I'm like very nothing. I'm very. I'm very optimistic, and I'm very excited, and I think we put together a great bill, and these bands are going to go out there and have a very, very memorable, awesome summer. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it start. Well, Ash, dude, it has been great talking to you, man. Uh, we're going to have to we're gonna have to let you go here. <laughs> thank God. I, I get back to a real job. I don't think I have any, uh, <laughs> anything to record on. So, no, thank you very much, man, and, and congrats on, you know, 10 years of Sumerian, 10 years of Summer Slaughter, and et cetera, and all the movies and everything else, dude. Congrats. Thank you for what you've done. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. I, I appreciate the kind words and taking the time to talk, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime.
love listening to podcasts. That's why you're listening to your favorite one right now. How about streaming music? Goes without saying, right? What happens when you combine one of the internet's premier streaming audio sites and your favorite Jabberjaw Media podcast? Gold, I tell you. Check out Adobe.com for some great streaming music and every single Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. is the Jabberjaw Media Block featuring the Modern Vinyl Podcast and Break It Down with Matt Carter. That's just the beginning. Adobe will be bringing you more of what you want, great music and great podcasts powered by Jabberjaw Media. That's I-D-O-B-I Adobe.com
New music from Motionless and White on the Metal Sucks podcast. That one's called 570. Uh, yes, you want, to, you want divisive. Go ahead and play that band. I'll tell you what. You get, <laughs> you get, you get a few opinions going about what's name, man. I don't know if that's metal or not, man. I, it was funny. I was I was listening to my uh, HD radio channel, No Control Radio. If you ever uh, want to hear some like music, um, and it came on, and I wasn't like I wasn't paying much attention to it. It was just kind of in the background while I was doing something else. And I swear it sounded like something else. I couldn't figure it out. And, uh, and but I was going, yeah, all right, this is a good song. And I had to go back and like figure out who it was because I've only had it in rotation for a couple of like a couple of days. So it was like, oh, all right, cool. But I'm, you know, unbeknownst to me, I kind of dug it, you know, without even knowing what it was. So I'm down. <laughs> you tricked yourself. I did. I totally like, <laughs> I totally fooled myself. So, uh, you know, but sometimes that's what we got to do. Just close your eyes. Don't, t- don't, don't, don't worry about who it is. Just, just <laughs> listen. All right. All right. Don't look at pictures of the band. Just listen. Okay. That's what's supposed to matter, right? I mean, that's what the <sighs> whole thing was. You know, the whole thing about metal and the difference between metal and rock used to be that, like, those rock bands are pretty boys. They looked a certain way, and, you know, that's all it was. And y- you rejected that because the way it looks isn't supposed to matter. But yet, so often now, and even then, when you look different, it's. You're 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 somehow that that look does well, matter. I mean, and, and yes, and, oh. yes, and no. I mean, you got you got to think about like even what Brian Brian Slagle said on the last podcast. You know, when you're talking about what the glam bands looked like in the '80s versus what the rock bands looked like in the '80s versus what the metal bands looked like in the '80s, it was a completely different aesthetic. Like you know, and it really meant something at that point where where it said, okay, poison is not Molly crew and Molly crew is not Slayer. You know, like the, those, you know what I'm saying? It's like there, there was, there were divisions in slices in the pie and, and it was sort of obvious by the aesthetic. And I think that's kind of been blended a little bit more since then. And it's a little more subtle in some ways, but no less like adversarial in some others. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the best part about it is when, you know, a band looked like a rock band and sounded like a hair band. And, uh, you know, they looked like a hair band and they sounded like Cannibal Corpse. I mean, that's when things get interesting, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has anybody ever done that, though, with Cannibal Corpse? That'd be cool. (laughs) Wait, with who? You know, like a brutal death metal band with like you know makeup on and stuff. Well, you know, like- no, well, you got uh, it, it's the equivalent of like the Death Heaven, right? Where those guys are in button up shirts and yeah. and slick haircuts and no beards, and they look all clean cut, and they're doing freaking black metal. You know, that's like what the fuck? You know, yeah, yeah that just that's looks awesome. really weird. And I, I, I don't have a problem with that because I don't give a fuck what they look like. I really don't care. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, it's 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 but, but, never. Yeah, I've never had a problem with that. If the music these is divisions, good, yeah, these divisions though are just getting ridiculous. And now, of course, you get the politics are, uh, is so much a part of it because you've got these fuck nut dummies who still take nazism and racism and sexism and all this stuff seriously and they are a significant part of the metal scene and it's sad and it's pathetic to watch but they exist and they're here and they're part of our eco eco, you know our our ecosystem yeah but see i don't know i I don't know if i agree with that I i don't i mean i know that they're there right but i think as far as in 
and you kind of mentioned this when we were talking about it at the front of the show is that it's a it's a it's a piece of the bigger picture you know it's kind of representative of what society is as a whole that piece exists in everything like if you want to make it that exists in country music that piece exists in country music that piece yes. exists in rock music that piece exists in, in hip-hop and rap music and it may have a different face it may have a different name it may have a different slur that it uses but it still exists in all of these other genres and even in politics so it doesn't seem like it's that weird or that even that big for that matter in metal for to, in my opinion like i don't see like a oh you're uh, gonna tell me that the the you know the the white guy uh <laughs> the white male in the audience doesn't think that there's that big of a problem with <laughs> in with racism and sex well no 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 I mean, I, I mean come on i'm just saying as far as i'm not saying that there's not a problem i'm saying that that overtly there is not a lot of I, it's not like we have this big swath of bands that you can say are NSBM or whatever. I don't think that there's that many that are just like openly out there. Like, I don't think it's a like 10% or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's not a big percentage. But you look at the responses that happen on the forums when, and you could say that it's an angry minority. I'm not so sure about that. I think that it's a significant percentage of the population where dead, dead, that are harassing other people who are um, uh, hypersensitive about being called out on their shit and uh, extremely defensive about it. And it's just, yeah, it's, it is a significant part of our, our ecosystem and, and it needs to be addressed. And I think that there's a lot of people who are addressing it. The problem is, is that when it does get addressed and it gets exposed, now a lot of these bands are getting defensive about it. And we're at a, we're at a, we're at a, a spot now where, you know, the lines have to kind of be drawn. Mm. I'll, I'll say this as a, as somebody who's a fan of 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 free market capitalism for the most part right i look at this as being an issue that can be solved using uh free market capitalism right mm-hmm. so here you got people who are like you know what i went to a metal show and they use that term metal i went to a metal show my girlfriend got harassed. My black buddy got uh, heard an insult. Uh, it, it was a miserable time. I'm not going back to metal show again. Now, what metal show they went to, who they saw perform, who is in that audience, doesn't matter all that much. It is to that person in that group, metal, right? Mm-hmm. It represented metal as a whole. But we need those people in our ecosystem, and we want those people in our ecosystem. What we don't want are these people who are using racial slurs, being sexually aggressive, all of this stuff. We don't need it. We don't want it, right? They can go away. So I think at a certain point, there needs to be a line drawn so that when somebody comes to a show and they have a great time and they feel comfortable and they feel safe and and don't feel ostracized and are enjoying the music, they could walk away and go, I went to this show. It was great i can't wait to go back but then i went to this other show and it was blank and that was not a good time i'm not going to do that again and that i think is a way to protect the ability for the economics of metal to survive and go forward you have to kind of ostracize you have to be able to say this was an nsbm show and and my band is not playing with with an nsbm band whether you like the people or not in that band 
I don't want the fans to uh, uh, in that uh, of that band to to interact with my fans because I want my fans to come to my show the next time I come into town because they know they're going to have a good time. I think that's really important, and and I don't think it's happened yet, but I think it's something that at this point the line, like I say, the battle lines are being drawn so thickly that at a certain point we do have to say, you know what, that band this and, and point the finger, you guys. You can have your own festival. You can have your own show in your own venues. Have fun with the 12 drunk, hairy, ugly ass white dudes who show up. <laughs> the rest of us, we're going to have a great time. Well, I mean, uh, it's and it's kind of a it's also the other thing what we were we've touched on this before, where it's a, a matter of extremes, you know, and it's like, what are some of the most extreme positions that you could possibly take in the world today? And those are probably some of the most extreme, those, you know, racist, misogynistic views like those, like those are some of the most extreme positions that you could take most unpopular things that you could do. You know, when it when we are talking about uh, when you're talking about old school death metal, like we were talking a little earlier, we're talking about mutilating babies and things like that and lyrics and stuff like that. That was not very popular in the 80s either. Uh, and in some respects is not is still not to this day. But at the same time, we've kind of grown a little bit used to it. Right. And I'm what I'm afraid of more so is that is stuff like this. We start to get desensitized to it where it doesn't become shocking and it becomes part of the fabric of what we're doing. And we don't get and we don't address it because that's when it's sort of just, uh, oh, well, it is what it is. If you're, if you're uh, standing around in a room with a bunch of people that you don't like. And and you would you don't want to hang out with you eventually go, you know, what? I'm going to go to a different place. And that's what I fear is going to happen as these, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, but the people that males, but the people almost believe- exclusively white males become more and more aggressive and more defensive about being protected and 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 being allowed to be the assholes that they want to be but the people that preach the no the the, the people that preach the no safe space thing and this is what we're supposed to be able to express whatever we want to express that's why it's metal and blah 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 those people the people that do that they could give a fuck if you leave and and that and that's the and that's sort of the core of what of what the their point is. It's like, well, go ahead, leave, go go choose something else. But don't the, but don't do but it. But at the same time, when you call them out on it, when you say, you know what, you guys aren't going to play that festival, you're not going to do that tour. It, that's not going to happen. And I like you, but I don't like your fans, or I don't like what you used to stand for, or whatever it is. Then they throw a hissy fit. That's part of the bullshit posturing, man. I mean, it's it really I think that the, I think that that's in the end, you know, ultimately, it's just more of the one to look tough, you know, one to be tough. And but it's it part of that look image. That way. They, they, they look lame. Doesn't look that way to you. Look, and, and they look hypocritical. It may not, I know, but it may not look that way to you because you're not their audience. You know, and that's kind of that's kind of getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, dude, so, <laughs> I know. And so so, you know, good riddance. Goodbye. Uh, so the problem is solving itself. It, but it, it but like I say, it ha- there has to be a line drawn so that new people coming into this who are exposed to it, who are turned on by it, don't get turned off by the wrong elements. Mm. When that happens, that hurts us all. 
Yeah, but so, I, I think people have to be able to make up their own minds. I mean, that, that, that's one of the things that, and and that's why you know, if somebody is has those feelings, I want them to talk about it. I want them to say it. I want them to be racist. I want them to put that out there and tweet and do all the. Go ahead, do it all you want. Yeah. Why? Because I want to know. That way, I can not buy your shit. That way, I can not go to your shows. That way, I can not play your music. That that way, I can choose and pick and choose and know. Don't try but to hide it. Don't try to cover it up. Exactly. But th- but then when it's all out there, you know, the rest of us need to recognize it and act accordingly. And guys like Rob Flynn are one of the few from Machine Dad are one of the few who are willing to say, you know what? Screw this. No, I want nothing to do with it. Reject it. And we all need to do that. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I recently saw a, a tweet from one of the labels that was a rather... Uh, thinly very thinly veiled death threat in the, the at least the way i interpreted it a, a, in relation to all this uh, it makes me immediately go i'm looking at this roster of bands and go uh, sorry guys but you're associating with the wrong label this is 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 unacceptable this is now a, where a line needs to be drawn where you guys need to go off in your room in your festival and jerk off while the rest of us are having awesome sex <laughs> and that's that's kind of the way I feel about it. Well, and another one I was telling uh, I was telling my wife this the other day because because uh, I hadn't um, uh, she's not a Twitter user for the most part, and the whole thing that went down with uh, with Leslie Jones uh, yeah, from Ghostbusters that yes. deal, holy shit! I mean, like I've seen I've seen some racist shit in my time, you know, because like you said, I am a white boy. I'm kind of a white boy, so people. Uh, you know, they, they think I'm part of the team when they see me, you know, and so it's like, hey, what about this and bomb this and bomb that? I'm like, yeah, I'm not part of the team. I'm going yeah. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going away. The shit that was put on her Twitter was some of the most offensive shit that I have ever seen in my entire life. Could not believe that 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 stuff exists nowadays. And like like what you're saying is that I think that, you know, these weird divisions and hard lines in the sand that are being drawn between this stuff exist in every facet of our world right now. And like you said, we're seeing it in Cleveland. We're seeing it, you know, in the in the the Republican platform that's going on right now. And I think but just do we see it in metal. We are. It's all. We're starting to, but I don't think it's happening fast enough and as suddenly, you know, as starkly enough as it needs to. It depends on which which side of the line you're on, you know. And that's the point: is that if if I'm if I look at the platform for the for the Republican Party, you know, you know, fuck gay people, you know, whatever, you know, you people are awful. You don't deserve to be married. You know, none of this stuff. You know, that's one side of the argument. You know, the other side believes something different, and it uh, and and that's a little more split. It's a little more closer to the center, and you know, is that right? Hell no, but it's I not hope, right. But I hope you're not not trying to suggest that just because somebody's taking a contrary position, it it needs to be respected. No, what they're, I, what I'm saying is is that is that from their perspective, that's right. It's not wrong. It's and that's and that's my point is that from the from where they're sitting and what they're looking at the the lens that they are viewing the world that is right and it's not wrong and to I, everybody I else it's that. it's it's unbelievable how you know when the the people that tweeted Leslie Jones all that racist that racist stuff over the past week you know to them that's right that's the right thing to do that she deserved it that's what she deserves that's what she gets and and from the other side it's heinous 
you know, it's a it's unbelievable that anybody could even have that in their heart anywhere, you know, from this side, you know, but from their side, it's just every day, you know, it's, it's just I, part of it. it. Dude, when I'm I've got, you know, when I'm opening up my copy of Effigy of the Forgotten <laughs> back in 1991, right? I at that same time. The idea of like Nazi hardcore bands in the in the Detroit, Michigan area still a, was still a thing, yeah. right? It, it still way it was still a part of the shows you go to. I go see Sick of It All. Half the room would be filled with Nazis, yeah. the others with with sharps. You know, same thing. But I was it, a bad religion fan. I know. Yeah, so I think what needed to happen, what did happen, is eventually people started calling out the Nazis for what they were and ridiculing them for being the bumbling Three Stooges-like idiots that they are. And I think that that needs to continue now because then new people come along. They go, well, I don't want to be a Three Stooges bumbling idiot. Uh, yeah. Well, but you also and, and, you also had somebody like Jello Biafra saying Nazi punts fuck off. You know, yeah, so absolutely. so you you had somebody say fuck you like not just say it but fucking write a song about it and i guess what you know what my feeling is is like like i still like it it, i'm almost like ready to i'm almost like lying awake at night that we've had two long conversations with phil anselmo and i feel like a moron for having not known that this guy had a history of Racial, uh, racial epithet for whatever reason, whether he's a moron or whether he's a moron with the with the with the racist agenda, it doesn't matter, right? I feel like a mo- I feel like a moron for not having been aware and being able to ask him about that, or to have to to uh, perhaps beyond that have said, you know what, I don't want your ass on on the show because that that's stupid. Which I wouldn't do because I'd much rather hand somebody a rope and watch them hang themselves than ignore them altogether. I think it's it's better to do that or but, have the conversation about it. I mean, exactly. you know, exactly because I've I've had plenty of conversations with people that that I felt like have changed their minds over the years. You know, whether I'm you know not pre not getting preachy, not getting weird or anything like that, but you know, try to open a, a open a little window every once in a while into the into what they see because people can change. They really and can. I, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I I disagree with myself sometimes. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> oh, I know. No, I believe it. I, I believe <laughs> but, everything. But, but dude, like, like, I guess what I'm addressing is this ignorance that I have, and probably a lot of people have, despite the fact that this is the information age. We don't know what all these bands have in their past. We don't know what it is that they believe in and stand for. And it would be awesome if there was a way to kind of use this information age to double check. We talked about something like this with Kim Kelly. Like, I want to know what bands out there have <laughs> yeah. sexually assaulted. In a database. Yeah. Yeah. I want a database of metal sexual assaulters. You know, that would be, you know, so I could check that out and go, yeah, no, I'm not going to say something nice about that album or I'm not going to listen to it or whatever. It's the same kind of thing goes for this. And it's even. It's not for the sake that I don't want to hear it or I don't want to uh, uh, be exposed to it or I don't want to uh, uh, judge it for it being good, bad or otherwise. It's that I just don't want other people coming into the scene who are a different race than I am, are a different gender, have different sexual orientation. I want them in. I want them at the shows. I want them buying the albums. I want them to be part of this scene. And anytime that they get exposed to the worst parts of the metal scene, 
I fear that they go, you know what? I ain't listening to country either. I'm out of here. Uh, don't need it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. That that that's frightening to me because I think at the end of the day, assholes like Phil Anselmo and this race, racial bullshit and 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 other bands like it because it's not just him there's a bunch of them and obviously a, a few of them have been in the the news lately and 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 with this site right just fuck off you know you guys are dummies fuck off and 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 that just needs to it needs to be something that we all are able to recognize and all are able to address because they they need to go to their own part of the square and other people need to know but when they're completely ignorant they just love the metal when they're completely ignorant they know that oh that's different over there is different it you knew when you went to a hardcore show based on the stupid color of their uh freaking um uh what do you call it? the the pant holders you know the the suspenders uh, the suspenders you knew from the color of the suspenders pretty quickly what kind of show you were at you know or mm-hmm. what side of the room you need to stand on you know yep. metal doesn't have that We've got people in black leather and spikes, and we don't know what it means. People with tattoos with obscure symbols, we don't know what that means. I, I wish there was a there was like a uh, an answer, you know. And and I don't know that it's going to get better before it gets worse, you know. I because I, I, I just think it's these divisions are deepening and deepening and deepening all the way across the board, you know. Not just not just in metal, in everything else, yeah. and and. It, and, yeah. you know, it's this thing is that everybody's like, well, she's, you know, you, you can like the music without, like, agreeing with the politics of the musician, right? And shit like that. Yeah. And this is where I say, you know what? At a certain point, you can't. You have to say, you know what? There's plenty of good music. I can live without this. Mm. Because if you don't, it it gives those bad ideas fuel to survive and it needs to be snuffed out i think we're gonna have to leave it at that dude i don't i just don't I can, like i said i can't answer it you, you like everybody I'm you're not. like i don't want everybody i don't want people to not come to the shows anymore i don't either but i'm taking a more long-term uh perspective on it i it, just it, want everybody not, to get along dude you know man yeah, come on, dude. It it's, ain't a, gonna, it's, it's, it's not just gonna get happen. along with everybody man it's not that big of a deal man go to a fish you know, show dude. it's they, all they good bro fine. you know we just hug everybody and it'll be cool man i mean i know you get spikes and everything man but it's okay you know we it's just love bro come on it's not that big I, a deal. I, if you got a nazi friend just stop hanging out you don't need him you know you you, you got a a, a, a ra- racist ex-girlfriend cool glad she's an ex you know just don't deal with them anymore Mm. let these people get more and more and more isolated because you know what when you cut off the supply of blood it dies i don't i don't believe that i think it's like a fucking flatworm dude i think you cut the goddamn head off and it grows a new body you know it's because you think these things would have died a long time ago right I mean, it's it's the same thing with the you know. Hey, by the way, there's a resurgence of the KKK. Well, they're, they're following Donald Trump and blah 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 blah. Yeah, well, it'll happen. It, it, yeah. And that's the thing is like, but it's never gone away. So no, and it, and it won't completely. I mean, obviously, you know, every idea can find purchase, and bad dumb ideas find purchase in the minds of dumb people so you know you just not, until we stop breeding dumb people that it, it, it's gonna happen see that's my plan i'm gonna wipe out all the dumb people <laughs> <And I'll, laughs> wait a minute 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, hang totally. I, I don't <laughs> glad that, you got my joke. Hang on, I don't think that. I think that. I don't think that's gonna turn out the we way you think the, it's gonna turn out. We don't let the dumb people breed together anymore. You know? Yeah, we need to sterilize everybody. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Uh, I don't know. No, 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 no. Someday, some sl- Slayer-like band is writing a song about me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 bad things. But you know what I'm saying? It's like I it, do. It, yeah, I think I think now now everybody has to stop playing, and we just have to go. You know what? We we got to take this seriously now. Yeah, got to be real. And yeah. you know what? If you you're gonna put a a, a well known Nazi band on your festival, just. I think enough of the community needs to say, you know what? We're just not going to go. It's okay. It's and it's and worked. If that's yeah, a, and, and if your worked. label's yeah. going to put out Nazi BS on your label, I think we all need to go. You know what? We like you know X band, you know, but they're on that same label, and we just can't do it. You're going to have to find a, a way out of your contract. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Enough. We keep. We can keep talking about this. This is one of those you can hatch on forever. All right, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, wherever you get your podcast. That way uh, you can have it come right to your device. Otherwise, uh, hit us up on MetalSucks.net. Every single Monday we like to post it there, and uh, you can click on the podcast tab at the top of the page. Get all of our past podcasts. We would appreciate that. Uh, and you can find us on, um, let's see, social media. I'm at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook, Spotify, and Twitch. So hook up with us there at Chuck and Godless on Instagram and ChuckandGodless.com will be our Patreon. That's where you're going to find the rest of our interview with uh, Ash Avildsen sometime during the week. We're going to post the rest of that. And I want you to check it out because uh, I think you'll like you'll like. There's some good stories in there. And it's a lot more about the Sumerian movie side of things because they're kind of doing their own movie studio thing which is an expansion of the label and some other stuff so it's uh, some some good content there as well for you to check out at patreon.com slash chuck and godless so hook up with us there for sure all right until next week i'm chuck i'm godless and this is another metal sucks podcast Listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.